Alright, so with us we got Ben Askren, Heartland's favorite son, yeah. the young superstar. Ben, oh, yeah. how are you doing today? Good. I don't think I've ever been called Heartland's favorite son, <laughs> but uh, I'll take it. Hey. Sounds great. I know you're a Rocky guy. So, yes, absolutely. So. Yeah, so um, well, obviously you recently wrote a book, Funky, uh -huh. about your combat sports journey. What motivated you to write the book? Uh, I was always a reader. I love reading everything. I still do to this day. Um, and then uh, Corona, we got locked down. We had to shut down our academies. I was bored and I'm didn't want to stay bored. So it's like, okay, what can I do? So I contacted um, uh, a mixed martial arts journalist that I really like, and I said, hey, would you be interested? And he was bored also. So uh, we started, and it took us almost two years, but it, it turned out really well. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, you have a what's next mentality. You, you yes. want to stay busy. Uh, you just wrote the book. What's next for you? Any projects on the um, horizon? No, really just making AWA as good as I can. So we are, we're at Ask Wrestling Academy. Um, my brother and I started actually here in Heartland in 2011 with our high school coach, Coach Messamarink. And we are up to five sites. And so we have Heartland, Mequon, Franklin, Green Bay, and Madison. And then we're actually going to Fond du Lac. Uh, that opens in September. And we're actually working on one more. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of occupying a lot of my time. Right, very cool. So yes. uh, you're very into the mental side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I want to dive right into that. Uh, starting with right after your freshman year of high school, you, you stopped playing football. Um, and you, you were all in on wrestling. Mm -hmm. You went to a national tournament in North Dakota, I believe, yep. and you went 0-2. It didn't go well, and your coach pulled you aside and said, hey, you have performance anxiety. You are putting everyone else on a yeah. pedestal. Yeah. And right after, you kind of flipped the script, like very shortly after, yeah. where you went from performance anxiety to kind of an antagonizer, you know, instigator. Yeah. Yeah. How did you flip the script so quickly from um, total 180? Hmm. I think it was just when someone, like, pointed out to me what 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 was the most effective way to do it it was like oh yeah like yeah that's what i need to do you know um sure. and i think i think i always kind of loved to compete i mean i still love to compete i always loved to compete but it was just that like um like you said kind of performance anxiety where it's like oh my god this is a big thing this is different and i treated it differently as opposed to like this is just a competition and i already love to compete yeah so just go compete right um and that's uh, actually i think maybe my method my next month of money might, might be on that topic because uh, two parents asked me about it this week, and that's probably the number one biggest topic I've covered in, I don't know, I've been doing mental money probably for six years or seven years, a long time. And the number one topic is some form of, you know, my kid gets to a big tournament and they're not as good as they are at the small tournaments, sure. or my kid's not as good in a competition as they're in practice. Like, you know, there's a lot of versions of it, but it's kind of all the same thing. Okay, yeah. okay. So anybody listening to this, what's your advice on overcoming any insecurities or anxiety? Because you're one of the most confident yeah. people I've ever seen. Um, for, well, for performance anxiety, it's, it's literally, it's very simple actually. It's you just focus on the things you're supposed to be focusing on, which I know that's really easy to say, but like, okay, if you're playing, uh, I think you coach basketball, right? Yes. If you coach basketball, it's like, oh, who do I need to pass to? How do I get the ball into the net? Not like, oh my God, my dad's watching me. Or, oh my God, that person on our team's really good. Like those type of thoughts are gonna be, oh my God, what if I miss this shot? Well, you know, like those type of thoughts are gonna be counterproductive to having success. So you need to think on like, you know, wrestling, it's like, okay, well, how do I get to a single leg? Right? I gotta set it up, I gotta pull, I gotta push, I gotta move his head, and then I gotta go, right? How do I get off bottom? Like those simple thoughts are the ones that are the ones you really need. And a lot of people have these like bigger thoughts of like, oh, what if I lose? Or that guy's really strong looking mm -hmm. and stuff like that. All right. Yeah. Um, so, and then when you were upperclassman in high school, uh, obviously a Wisconsin guy, mm -hmm. UW-Madison didn't really recruit you and actually yeah. the coach kind of 
went out of his way to, to, to talk poorly about you, um, mm -hmm. to say that you weren't about putting all the work in your yeah. anti-authority. We all know that's not true. <laughs> that might be anti-authority. Well, well, the anti-authority, but not the, I love not the, the work. work. I love not the work, though, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. But had he recruited you and had you went to UW-Madison instead of Missouri, would you have become the, the funky Ben Askren we know today? Uh, that, that's a great question. So um, the one thing I think coaches have to realize also is part of their job is not getting in the athlete's way. So you have these certain athletes who are just locked in and they're going a certain direction. If you just stay out of their way, they're going to get it done, you know? And so it's like, how do I, obviously, how do I help a little bit, but mostly how do I just get out of their way and let them do it right? Sure. And so that specific coach, um, and, and many coaches, right, um, I think would have said, no, this is the way it's done. This is how you got to do it. You can't do it your own way. Mm. You can't do it differently. And that would have been really hard for me and really counterproductive to me having the success that I ultimately had. So um, Coach Smith at Missouri, he gave me the freedom. You know, he saw, he saw how hard I was working and he saw how bad I wanted to be good. And he gave me the freedom to kind of go my own way essentially, you know? And then obviously then once he started realizing the success I was having with it, he like even further encouraged me. He's like, well, how, sure. do we, how do we keep this going? Like, I see what you're doing, it's really awesome. Like, show some other people this. Like, let's bring in this other coach. Like, you know, kind of like got the ball rolling even more. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually wild. Um, yeah, some coaches are, some, it's, it, honestly, a lot of it's an ego thing where some coaches could, can't handle an athlete having more knowledge in any area than them, right? Yeah. And even me, it's like, uh, we have kids in here who come up with new things and it's like, I'm great, good. I, if we have 15 kids come up with things, that's gonna be way, way more productive than me, a singular person coming up with things, you know? But it's an ego thing for coaches. They wanna be all knowing and they wanna be in charge all the sure. time. And so then when someone, um, when someone threatens that, they really push back and generally they also have the authority so they can push back with the authority. All right. Yeah. Um, so hopping into your MMA career, yeah. um, you won the Belter title, I believe, less than two years into your mm -hmm. career, about two years. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time in the book, you said, I didn't have really any other skills other yeah. than wrestling at that mm -hmm. point. My question is, when in your career, like what year do you think you hit your prime? Uh, that's a good question. So I'd say probably 2013. So yeah, when I fought in Bellator, so I started mixed martial arts in um, Columbia, Missouri, where I was coaching. Uh, the gym there didn't have a striking coach, they had one jiu-jitsu coach, and they didn't really have a fight team, you know, it was kind of like, this is a small time thing. But I wanted to fight, so I went and trained, I learned jiu-jitsu, and then I had my first fight about four months after starting, and then I got in Bellator maybe a year, a year after that, and then I won the title six months later. So yeah, within two years. Um, and it was just like, I knew I could take them all down, and I knew I was relatively good at the grappling and not getting submitted and, and controlling position, that type of stuff. Um, so when I moved, to, I moved to Milwaukee, I decided, decided to stop coaching college in 2000 and spring of 2011 was when I stopped college coaching. I moved back here in August of 2011 um, and worked with Rufus and we had a lot of really good partners and teammates, Alan Belcher, Anthony Pettis, Eric Koch, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of good teammates. Um, so I think it still took a while for it to click once I got here. And so I think like the Douglas Lima, which is spring of 2012, I really dominated him, but I didn't do a ton of damage. And then kind of after that, the next couple of opponents I faced, I like really killed them, you know? Mm. Um, and I was feeling comfortable with striking defense. Uh, I was feeling really good on top with submissions and striking. So, you know, that the last fight in my career, I would say, because Andre Kreshkov was a top 10, 15 guy and I just obliterated him. And then 
after that, I still feel like I was really good. But when I went to one championship, I didn't really fight anyone of that caliber. Sure. Um, where, you know, Lima was like a top 10, 15 guy. So was Kreshkov. So they were like pretty high up on, on the ladder. And they would obviously both become champions after I left. Um, and in one championship, I never really fought anyone like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then in 2016, you watched the movie Concussion with Will Smith. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then in 2017, I believe you didn't get hit once in sparring yeah. or a fight. Yeah. Uh, my question is, one, what was it like fighting without sparring? And two, what's your advice to an up-and-coming fighter who wants yeah. to improve their skills, but, you know, the dilemma of proving your skills and also long-term health? Yeah, uh, I mean, so I think the jury's still out on CTE. Um, there's some research. Initially, there was some research that I read up on that made me like, oh, shit, like, you know. So I, I, did, I stopped sparring totally in 2016. Um, and then in 20, you know, 2017, I didn't get hit, so that was great. Uh, and then I decided to retire for the first time. But obviously, yeah, like, if you want to be good at something, you got to do that thing. So if you want to be good at fighting, you got to fight. Yeah. Right? That's it. Like, so, you know, like with, with Rufus, when I moved here in 2011, it was like every Monday we, we put all the pads on, you know, the shin guards, the headgear, the big gloves, and we fought. I mean, that's what sure. we did, you know? Um, and so that's how you get, got to get good at it. So, yes, there is this dilemma of like, okay, I mean, because really if you want to say like what's the really most effective is like it would be doing the real fight every single day. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, but then if you get injured, then you got to take time off, and then you're not going to be able to, produce, you know, get better. So it's like you got to find this weird balance, whereas with like wrestling, you can wrestle, or basketball, you play basketball, or soccer, yeah. you go play soccer. With fighting, it's weird because if you actually did the thing every day, yeah. it, you couldn't do it, right? You would have a hurt shoulder or you, your face would be all split up, right? Or you just wouldn't be able to do it on an everyday basis. So it, it does create a weird conundrum because to do the thing good, you got to do the thing. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. So, yeah, it creates a weird balance. I think hopefully you know, there will be more and more research that comes out that leads people to make wise decisions. My time of that is over, so I don't have to think about it all that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get to move on. All right, so before we wrap this up, we'll, fit, we'll go into just a few quick current, yeah. current headlines and then okay. a rapid fire round. Sure, cool. um, So your boy, Jake Paul, oh, yeah. what are your thoughts on him signing with the PFL? Uh, I mean, I think, and I think they've acknowledged much. It's kind of a publicity thing. He's obviously still like fighting um, oh my God, Tommy Fury um, outside of PFL, right? So maybe he has a fight. I'm not sure. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't think about it too much. You've, you've teased coming out of retirement before. Would that, yeah. be a, would that be a fight? Well, the problem is, like, and why I didn't say anything, is I'm still on a contract with the UFC. And given the fact that they let me out for that boxing match, I don't think they would be courteous enough to let me out for another fight. So, I, I mean, and the only way I could combat that is if I said, okay, well, I'm going to come out of retirement. Uh, they would have to offer me then a fight. And I just don't want to do that. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many fights do you have left in your contract? Five, because I only oh, did three. Wow, okay. I mean, I kind of knew, I knew that was going to be the case, and I knew I was already retired, right, when I, did, when I came out, and I knew there was no way in hell I was going to fight eight fights. Yeah. And I, I kind of told them as much, because um, I wanted to be retired, and I was worried about the brain health stuff, and uh, I knew there was other things I wanted to do with my life. All right, and then there's, so at this point, you've teased coming out of retirement before for certain fights. Is there... Yeah. Like the Masvidal, is there that's anything it. that would get you out or that's no? That's it. I'd fight, him. I'd fight him and that's it. So if the UFC in a hypothetical Call world said... Call me today. Said, he said, let's fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm well, up. if it makes dollars, it makes sense. So if they can make a deal, what if they make yeah, this deal? Yeah, so my thing is maybe if he gets beat up by Gilbert Burns, he'll realize there's no one else he can beat and he should fight me because it's the biggest option for him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and that, that's what I was saying. If they say, okay, Ben, you fight yeah. Masvidal, make us a ton of money, you're out, go fight Jake then. You'd be on board for that. <laughs> sure. That's a very, very strange hypothetical scenario, but we'll go with it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and then, okay. Uh, we'll, 
We'll, we'll, we'll skip. I'd never even created that hypothetical in my head. That was a good hypothetical. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, all right, well, we'll skip to the rapid fire round. Okay. Uh, all right, so biggest rival you had in your entire combat uh, sports career, including wrestling? Chris Pendleton. If you wrestled him as an upperclassman, what would that look like? I would like to think I beat him, but uh, he was very good, so. Sure. Yeah. Who was the best opponent you beat outside the UFC? Fighting? Uh, Lima. I mean, I think he got ranked as high as six. He was really good. How did he, how did he compare to the UFC competition you faced? Uh, if they were all fought in their primes, I don't know. I, I don't know. Those were some good fights. I'm not sure. What does a fight look like between Bellator Ben and, and UFC Ben? Oh, I was in way better shape when I was in Bellator and um, just body health too, way different. So I think I would have worn myself out and beat myself up. <laughs> yeah. um, what a what a MMA fight looked like between you and Johnny Hendricks in your primes. Oh, that would have been that would have been great. I wish I could have done that. Uh, I mean, my thought was I could I could press him against the cage, get him tired, and then get on top. And he was terrible on bottom, so you know I'd be able to beat him up there. That was kind of my thought. Sure. He obviously hit really hard, but I think I could have avoided that. Favorite holiday. Favorite holiday. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say the Fourth of July. I love the Fourth of July. Favorite quote. Favorite quote. I don't have a favorite quote, I don't think. Wait, I don't have one off the top of my head, no. Best Rocky movie? Four. That's not even debatable. I, I go two, but... What? It's four. Okay. <laughs> uh, food, favorite food? Probably Mexican food. Food you hate? Uh, raw seafood. All right, almost done. Favorite animal? My dog. All right. And then, last question, uh, you had one of the most decorated college careers right. ever, high school career, made the Olympic team, mm -hmm. um, champion in multiple MMA organizations. What's your crowning achievement for you? I would say either making the Olympic team or, the, or the winning the two highest trophies, because that is the best college wrestler, and I got it two years in a row, and there's only, I think, three other people who've done that, had that accomplishment, so I think probably that. All right, good deal. Yeah. All right, that's all I got for you, Ben Asker, and thank you very much for coming on the show. Right. and. Uh, it's your first video. Make sure to like and subscribe and, and stay tuned. All right. All right. I appreciate it, yeah, Ben. You got it.